Good afternoon, everybody. This is Carla from Drama, and I'm your pretty much the owner and the host and the whole shebang. Uh, this is Leah, and today's topic and episode is going to be about um, childhood trauma. And I'm going to give a little insight and some experience of my own and some stories, maybe some jokes and some good ass music in the background. And I know you guys have heard of her trauma featuring Corday. And it's true. You want to know drama from the trauma. And you want no bad energy. You're just trying to live and do right and do the right thing. Times are hard in 2022. And with COVID that hit two years ago and still climbing and changing and mutating, it's become difficult for a lot of people to be close the way they used to be. Even though social media is a major trend and that's how you are accessible to everybody in the world. And everybody listens, everybody judges, everybody likes, dislikes, everybody starts shit, everybody gives praises. You're going to have two sides, but technically there's three sides to a story. There's good, bad, and the ugly. But when it comes to somebody's conversation or a situation, there's three, his, hers, and the truth. And the only one that actually is the judge and the jury conviction would be God. He's the only one that can judge you. And I'm not saying you're trying to preach religion. No means. But everybody believes in something. And it isn't wrong. Anything that's out there is a possibility. And I don't frown upon it. And I don't judge it. And I won't, I won't put it down. But growing up, it was really difficult for me. A lot of people had their own life experiences, their stories, their biographies, where they've been, what they've been through, what they've done, um, how they got out of it, how they dealt with it. Some people went on the right path and, and tried to fix it and resolve it. Some people fucked up their life, let's be honest. And they lost everything, hope, dreams, jobs, relationships. And they lost themselves. They lost who they were, their worth, their value. Um, so when I was little, I remember 1987 and I was about eight years old and it was in Modesto, California. And I remember it being two days after Christmas. So you have the essence of Christmas wrapping and smell of pine trees still in the corner lit up with all its ornaments and half eaten fucking candy canes, half open and wrapped and exhausted and all your presents are open and you couldn't really enjoy each one of them or appreciate them because you maybe got so many or maybe you didn't get any but mine specifically was remembering my mom being on the couch exhausted and me getting up and I had a bunny a flop-eared brown bunny named Jumper and I remember looking at my sister and just wondering something felt off something didn't feel right and then when my mom woke up, and she's like, she got a call. And I don't know what it was about. Frantically, she's rushing. Like she has ADD or something. And she's a smoker. She smokes 100, you know, marble bites, whatever you want to call it. And long hair, still got that 70s look and trend. And she comes into our room. She's like, she couldn't explain and don't ask questions pretty much. Pack up. And we're like, pack up what? So 
here I am packing up the things to go. And I remember I had a little shirt. It was Supergirl. So it was a baby version of Superwoman. And I wore that shirt until I couldn't fit in that motherfucker. <laughs> I mean, I stretched it all out, cotton and all, polyester, make it work. So I looked over at my bunny and I'm like, how am I going to take you? I can't take you. What's going to happen to you? And I remember my mom getting in all of us in a hurry, still trails of a mess and essence of Christmas. And from that moment on, I knew my life was going to be broken. She put us in her 1986 gray Jeep, the kind that you had the vinyl kind of plastic roll up and roll down windows and backing. And she drove like a bat out of hell. She stopped at Narco and gassed up. And she didn't say why, where we were going. She just drove and drove and drove and drove. Four or five hours later, we're in Los Angeles. And I'm like, thinking in my little mind, why are we driving so far away? What happened? Scared. Thinking, I just lost my dad to prison. Or that'll be another episode. But we pull up to this house. The ones like you see in Friday, those ones, where they have the step up and they have the porch, you know, that kind of structure. And here comes this older lady with short hair. It's kind of like silvery, golden, you know. She resembles us, so she had to be family. So my mom called her, her name is Barbara, but they called her Mary. I don't know how the fuck she got Barbara from a Mary, just like Richard and Dick. I don't know. But she did. And the look on her face was not pleasant. It wasn't welcoming. It was like, what the fuck are you doing here unannounced? And what are you doing? And there's a lot of history I never knew about my mom. I didn't know about my aunts or uncles. So I don't know their upbringing. We were really shut in the dark on a lot of things. But we were exposed to so many things we shouldn't have been exposed to at our young age. So she rushes us out. She goes in. We go in the house. And all three of us are sitting on the couch. Quiet. Not really much light. There's not much in the house you could tell. She wasn't made of money. And um, no TV turned on, nothing. We just sat there quiet, wondering what's happening. And she goes into the room with my aunt, and she's like, they're screaming. And they're yelling. And she don't know what to do. And I guess she hadn't spoke with her older sister in so many years. But, um... They calm down, then they start laughing, and the next thing I know, now I know what the smell is back then, I didn't know. They're in there smoking fucking weed, and getting high, and the next thing you know, the shutters, and the yelling, and the fighting, and the fucked up language, what went to laughing, and reminiscing, and we're still sitting in the fucking couch going, what the fuck, exhausted, tired from a five, six hour trip. And thinking, all I kept thinking in my little mind was, I want to go back fucking home and play with my fucking new toys. I got a cabbage patch named Dean Alfred with a little yellow patch hair and some overalls, blue and white, checkered. I got a bunny. Who who the fuck's going to feed it? Who the fuck's going to clean it? You know what I mean? He's not going to clean his goddamn self. Excuse my French. So, Jenny, me, and my sister. 
Lisa. Four years and one year and one month and day apart, all of us were. And Jenny's not saying nothing. She's just looking at us, trying to keep us calm, kind of like, just, just quiet, you know, like, don't start any fights, you know, don't get in trouble. And Lisa, she was always timid, and she was kind of a follower. She just went along with whatever. She was the baby, and Jenny was the oldest, and I was the fucking one stuck in the middle, which you all know who, who was born in the middle, how it is. Let's not lie about it. The oldest? Oh, it's a wonderful thing. It's the first baby in the family. Woohoo! Second generation born. Yay. And they get everything. Second child, you get fucking hand-me-downs. You get whatever's left over if it's the baby. Oh, it's the last one. Everybody's got to caught on love it. And she's spoiled as fuck. Just like I guess my mom was. She was the baby of the family of five. And I'm just sitting there thinking, fuck both of you. Fuck this life. You know, I became a tomboy and, and independent, did everything on my own, played on my own, did my own imaginative shit. Well, them two went off and played and did their thing, left me out. I don't give a fuck, but it's whatever now. So they come out all high, laughing, eyes fucking low like they're Chinese, red, bloodshot, grinning from ear to ear like a bad cat. And I'm thinking to myself, Okay, I'm glad y'all figured out what the hell we're doing. So are we coming up for a little vacation for a couple months? Or what is going on? Because you just ripped us out of our home. Our dad went to prison. You're not working. You're not really doing nothing. And you're always in some type of drama, involved in some type of bad shit with bad people. I mean, there was these people, you know. We'll get to that in another episode. But she looks at all three of us, and we look over, and I, she introduces us finally. This is your aunt. This is my older sister. Um, we're we're going to stay here for like a weekend, the weekend, and um, then we'll go back. And in the meantime, she's going to watch you. So we're like, what do you mean she's going to watch you? Where are you going? You know? The other two, they didn't ask questions. They just stared and shocked. Me, I was the outspoken one. I was the one that was loud, verbatious, didn't give a fuck, was blunt and told you, and I shouldn't be talking like that at my age and I get slapped the fuck up. But I don't care because I want to know who, what, when, where, and how. You know, you put us on this earth. We didn't ask to be born. What are you doing? We look up to you with trust and protection and we're innocent and we're sponges and we're trying to grasp what this world is, how to act, how to ha show emotions at the proper time. The next thing I know, she lights up a fucking marble light. And in the back then, they didn't give a shit if it was in your car and you're hot boxing with tobacco and your kids are dying and now they have asthma and lung cancer and shit now and problems and wonder why. They were like, she was like, all right, so I'm just going to go back. And it was almost like my mom was on shit. I'm like, calm the fuck down. She's going like Speedy Gonzalez back and forth, pacing, 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 smoke, smoke, smoking. And I'm thinking, what the fuck's on fire? So my aunt just shook her head and she stayed quiet, just looking us up and down. And at that time, she was like 47. My mom was like, I want to say early 30s. Um, so she got back in her Jeep. She hugged us goodbye. Jenny and Lisa, they just stayed in the house. And me, I ran out there, and I'm like, where are you going? 
She goes, I'll be back. I'm going to go back home. I'm going to pack up all of her stuff. We're going to move to L.A. We're going to have a new life. We're going to be safer. We're going to thrive here. It's going to be okay. It's going to be good. But I still didn't know what she was running from. I didn't know what she was involved in. I didn't know what scared her so bad with that telephone call that she jerked us out of our home, our city, the known to an unfamiliar place that was scary and different. We went from a rural country life to suburbia. I don't know if you want to call it suburbia because it was a, a poor neighborhood. It was Rosemead. Um, and it didn't look like it was a rich neighborhood. It looked like the hood. hood. So she said she was coming back. And I started crying. I just looked at her. I went inside. And looked out the window from the couch. And I knew she wasn't coming back. It's kind of like that fucking cliche when they say, I'm going to go to the store and be back. And the motherfuckers never come back. And then they wonder why we have so much trauma and PTSD and we can't function and our relationships are broken and we're just broken. Not even duct tape could fix us. Not even super fucking Gorilla Glue. We're broken. And scar tissue, it doesn't ever grow back. Ashes, it never rebuilds from ashes. So how do you go from there? How do you go from something like that? And that's the root of it. That's how it starts. I don't ever remember my mom and my dad fighting. My dad, he was a quiet man. He was very respectful. He was very clean, worked hard. He made anything with his hands. He fixed everything with his hands. It's like the old school norm for a man, you know? The provider, the protector, the professor. The woman's the nurturer, the lover, the cooker, the cleaner, and, and pretty much to be fucked. You know what I'm talking about? Back then, they didn't have as much entitlement. They didn't have as much freedom as we do today. So my mom, she just left, never came back. And then my aunt just looked at us and said, well, let's get you guys situated. There was nowhere for us to fucking live. There was no extra room. There was nowhere to put three freaking kids from a teenager to a mid to a baby practically in a little ass home. So we had to live on the floor in, in the living room and every day it was a bitch because we had to clean up, fold up, put away the pillows, the blankets, the blow up, the couch. And I just remember all we ever did being there was be kind of like her bitch. We, we did chores. That's all we did, chores. And I would watch her eat this all these expensive, good-ass food. She would give us the shitty-ass food. Like, you know what I'm talking about, pizza rolls and fucking Top Ramen. Ain't nothing wrong with Top Ramen. Don't get me wrong. I still eat the motherfucking shit and add some chili and, I don't know, spices and some meat and fucking onions. Maybe I don't know. I ain't knocking it. But you know what I'm saying. How are you going to sit there and let us starve? And not feed us, not clothe us, but you're getting paid from the government for us. And then after, over time, my mom never came back. She never answered my aunt's calls. So a week goes by. I'm like, she's not coming back. I was right. And I pray to God every single night, what do we do? What do we do so bad that our dad went to prison and our mom fucking left us? And the last time I seen my dad, I opened up the door to the back door of the police car. Modesto Police Department. And I said, Daddy, get out. And he said, baby, I can't. Daddy did something bad. And I said, but don't you love me? 
And I said, get out, get out, why are you going? What did we do? And he's like, you didn't do nothing, baby. And I just remember feeling lost and alone and missing my dad, because I'm not gonna lie, I loved my dad more than I did my mom. I was a daddy's girl. I wanted to learn everything my daddy knew. And I was like his son that he never had. I was a tomboy, I was into sports, I was in being rough and discovering stuff and going outside, finding all the damn animals you're not supposed to mess with, with snakes, and my mom jumping off the toilet saying, what the fuck, get out of here with that? What's wrong with you? To everything you could think of, to finding ways to fix every single thing. I wanted to be a healer. I wanted to be somebody who would save the world, who would make it a better place, a happier place. And then when my mom did it, it made me more angry and it made me more, the anger actually made me more stronger. It made me not weak. It made me not timid or scared or have that fear. It made me so angry that it destroyed most of my life, honestly. And I would go out in the backyard and I would throw a ball. I was in softball. And from that moment, we just had to either stick together and take on what was given to us. And I would always hear my aunt talking shit about us. So she couldn't stand our little fucking asses. I don't know how many times she told me to my face. You guys are bad apples. You wonder why they left you. You're not loved. You're not wanted. Because we would act up. But that's normal for a child that just lost both of their parents to stupid, irrelevant shit that should have never happened. And none of our other fucking family members would take us. That were closer. That we knew. That we understood. That we grew up with. So that even made it even worse. She dropped us off with an old ass lady. I don't know nothing about us, ain't close, and don't want us. How fucked up is that? I remember uh, having 50 cents and going down to the Asian store. And I bought a blue crab. And I thought it was going to be my pet. It was 50 cents. I didn't know it was a dinner. So I brought it back. Fucker died within an hour and a half. And I thought, damn, I can't even keep that alive. Then I learned later on in life that was just for food. <laughs> Stupid shit, you know what I mean? The little things. So that's pretty much what this episode's about. The root of the trauma. What did you experience that set it off? What was the one thing that kind of burnt your whole world down to the ground? And it made you feel guilty. It made you feel like it was your fault. But it's not. I'm here to contest to it that um, it's not your fault nothing is your fault unless it was your choice unless you had an option and you knew and you did what you did that's on you but I'm saying what things stem from and it's how you vent me mine was anger and um, it took more than half my life to resolve it, to get peace. So what I'm trying to tell you guys today is it's never too late. And it's like little by little hitting against a glacier, chipping the ice away, 
until you mold it into a beautiful piece of artwork that glistens, that shines, that's bright, that isn't so much transparent, but is kind of opening up and letting more people in to understand. And at the same time, that gives you time to heal and let go. Gives you time to bring a little bit more peace each step of the way in each part of your life. There's different parts of our lives. We were born. We didn't know. There's no book. You could sit there and raise your fucking kid as perfect as you want. It don't make a fuck. Because what you don't give your kid, they're going to go out and look for it. What you do give your kid, they're spoiled-ass motherfucking brats. And they think they can entitle to everything with no respect. Those are the ones that need to get fucked up. You know? And those are the ones that go out and then just do whatever because they're spoiled little fucks. And then they try to blame their family when actually they had a perfect, clean, good fucking family. I don't understand it. It's whatever, though. But each to their own. Um, but I wasn't one of those kids that had the trends. I wasn't one of those kids that got the new Jordans or Nike Air Force One. I wasn't the one that got that fancy shortcake fucking doll with um, Barbies and shit. I was the one that got the hand-me-downs. I was the one that made my own style, my own trend, and made my fashions be a statement. And back in the 80s and 90s, anything went. And y'all know what I'm talking about in that generation. It didn't make a fuck. You could have your hair how you wanted. You could put jewelry. You could write on yourself. You could wear fucking checkers with fucking plaid stripes and polka dots. It didn't, it didn't who cares? Everybody was their own thing, and it, it, it fit. It went in. Yes, you're going to have the different clicks. But the styles were so fucking cool back then. The music was too. Times were a little bit different. There was more respect than there is today, I have to say. I think we were the last of the dying breed, to be honest with you. But um, I won't take up much of your time. This is our second, well, this is my second episode. I don't edit. I don't re-record. Because each one of mine is how I feel. It's coming out straight from the heart, from memory, from experience. And in any tools and anything that I can give you or try to help, that's what I'm here for. And this is what I'm doing. I finally found my calling after all these decades, literally. And it's to heal. It's to help. It's to fix. It's to put peace to mind, to save a life. And I love what I'm doing. And I'm not being creative because everybody's out there doing the thing, the same thing. But if I can reach one person out there, if I can make one person smile, even cry, because you know what I'm talking about, then I'm doing my job. One smile can make a whole person's day, and you don't even realize that smile could just save that person's life from wanting to kill themselves. That one sentence of saying, hey, how are you? Are you doing okay? Makes a big difference. Because it shows somebody does give a shit and they're noticing, they can tell by your body language you're not okay. And the ones that can't see it, they're oblivious, it's fucking sad. Because how do you not see your loved one in pain? How do you not see your loved one feeling anger, confused, lost, sad? It's time for us to pay attention and listen. Not hear, but listen. Stop and listen. Because time's of the essence and it's critical certain days, certain situations. 
So you guys have a wonderful day. And my next episode will be shortly. And this is from trauma, from drama, but not just from your mama. And my name is Leah. And you guys have a wonderful, beautiful, blessed day.